Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you for that uh, hedge of protection. Yes. Yes. I, I know that there's others that's had difficult weeks. Uh, you know, um, I want you to uh, turn, uh, you know, in your books this morning to uh, Jonah. And we're going to look at uh, the very first chapter. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. So Jonah chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Um, uh, you know, this morning's title, uh, you know, I didn't come up with it. So if you thought it was a really cool title, uh, I can't take credit. Uh, one of the books that I was studying as far as on Jonah, he gave it this title. Uh, you know, and I thought it was very fitting. Okay. A rebel and a storm making God. Uh, you know, so whenever we look at this, uh, you know, um, I, you know, I think for for us to see this, uh, you know, we we have to have an understanding as far as uh, what rebellion is. Um, so, in getting an understanding of what rebellion is, uh, you know, I want us to look at uh, you know a struggle. Uh, you know, so some of us struggle with things that God asks us to do. That is different from rebelling against what God has asked us to do. So a struggle is the pure fact that it is something that is difficult in front of us that we struggle to do. Now, rebellion is... And the key of rebellion is the fact that it is that it's that we rebel against the authority of someone else or of a um, or, or of a government. Uh, you know, now a lot of us rebel with some of the things that our government, you know, puts out to us or, or gives to us. Now, the thing about it is, is that if we have frustration and we have rebellion, uh, you know, then we have to deal with rejection, okay? Because rejection is the rejection or the doing away with, uh, you know, something that is put before us. And we look at all of this and we see all of these things, uh, you know, because there is a progress or a process, as you will, in this. If we struggle with something that God wants us to do, and we continue to struggle with it, and we continue to try to deal with it on our own, it will turn into a rebellion. And if we continue to rebel, it will turn into a flat-out rejection. So there is a process. So if there is something that you were struggling with today... If we don't handle it today, it will turn into a rebellion and it will turn into a rejection. You got me? I have proof for you. So let's look at Judges chapter 28 or chapter 16 verse 28. See, the Israelites struggled. Samson, a judge for the Israelites thing about it is, is that Samson was a really strange judge for the Israelites. So we find him in the book of Judges. But the Israelites do not feel that Samson was a judge. 
Why do we see that or how do we see that? Who was the first group that bound Samson? It was the Hebrew army that came, in, that came, found him, hiding in the clefts of the rocks. They came up to him. And you remember, he asked them the question, Are you going to be the ones that kill me? And they said, Oh no, all we're going to do is tie you up with these brand new ropes and we're going to hand you over to the Philistines. And we know what happened from there, right? They bound him up. They took him down to the Philistines. And Samson said, thank you very much. And he killed a thousand of them. So we see this. But in Judges chapter 16, verse 28. It says, Samson. I, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Uh, because whenever we look into this and we look at Samson's life. What did Samson struggle with? Can anybody tell me what Samson struggled with? Women. Delilah was one of the main ones, but Delilah is the only woman, uh, you know, in Samson's life that had a name. Samson went and Samson had a wife or he was going to go and marry this woman, uh, you know, and she, uh, you know, for scripture tells us that, uh, you know, in this process, he had a riddle that her, uh, you know, her party had to uh, figure out. They couldn't figure it out, so she comes whining to Samson. He gives them seven days to figure it out. She comes whining to Samson, and, uh, you know, I would say just, no, I'm not going to say it. Uh, you know, she asked him on day three, and he didn't tell her on day three, so she comes to him again on day seven, crying on day seven, and he says, woman, since you have begged me so much, I will tell you the name of you know, this riddle. So as soon as he tells her the answer to the riddle, she goes and tells it to the other guys. Now, what happens here? Samson goes and kills 30 men and then takes all of their goods and stuff and all their clothes and brings it to her wedding party and says, okay, here, now you have what you need. You have the money and you have the clothes to be able to come to this wedding. And then he leaves. The second issue that Samson has is, is Samson has a dealing uh, with rage. We see it all throughout the scripture of Samson. Everything that Samson did was in revenge of what happened to his wife or the taking away of his wife. So Samson leaves from there and Samson goes home and a little bit later Samson wants to go back to his wife. Uh, you know, but I think it's interesting because he brings a nag with him. Okay, now it's, it's, not, a, it's not another lady. It is the payment for a prostitute. We look into the history and it's the payment for a prostitute. He brings that for his wife because his father had sold her, had given her to someone else. We find that then Samson goes into this brothel, uh, you know, and he spends the night. And then that's whenever the army comes and gathers around him. And you remember they waited for the morning. He didn't wait for the morning. He got up at midnight and he goes and he tears the gates down of the city. Uh, you know, and he, you know, there, that Samson. Samson struggled with women. And he struggled with rage and revenge. I, I want you to get this. I want you to understand. Because in 28, we see Samson asking for forgiveness. We hear the words, Samson called to the Lord and said, Lord God, Remember me and strengthen me only this once. 
God or O oh God, so that with this one act of revenge, there's the word revenge, I may pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. And we know the rest of that, that God gives him back his strength and he pulls down the pillars and he kills over 3,000 Philistines. Samson repented. I believe if Samson, if we do not hear this prayer in Samson's life, that Samson's struggle with revenge and with women would have wound up in rebellion, although it was rebellion because Samson never did the judging for Israel in the manner that God truly wanted him to do it in. It would have ended up in total rejection of God. Look at it in your life. God calls us and God has something for us to do and we reject it or we struggle with it and we struggle with things in our lives. If we don't deal with it, it turns into a rebellion as in I am not going to do it. And if it continues with the rebellion, at some point in time in our lives, we will reject God. If you don't believe that and you don't think it's right in Samson's life, look at Moses. We, we have this story uh, you know, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 and 4. Uh, you know, there was an angel of the Lord that appeared to him in the flames of the burning bush. Uh, you know, he looked and the bush was ablaze, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burning up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he says, here am I. So we have Moses accepting the call. Now, we don't see it all that often anymore. But in our lives, and we all have a dominant eye. So what we see here and what we see that Moses is doing is, is Moses sees the burning bush. And he says that, that he turns aside. I worked with a lady at the school, uh, you know, custodian work. And whenever she had to read paper, she would, she would do this. And she would look through that little pinhole that she's creating so that she could focus in on the letters on the paper. Turn aside. Whenever there's something that you really don't see and you really don't understand that's right there in front of you, if we turn aside to get a little bit better of a look, so that we can have an understanding. So Moses made a movement that showed God that he was interested in what was going on. He moves closer to the burning bush to study it more. God sees this and he calls out to him. And by Moses saying, here I am, Moses was saying, whatever you want, whatever you need, I'm here to do it. Then we find in the next half of a chapter or so that Moses struggles with the call that God has placed on his life. So do you want me to give you those? In Exodus chapter 3 verse 13 it says, but Moses said to God. Exodus chapter 4 verse 1, then Moses answered, but do not believe in me or believe me or listen to the words that I say. 
in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I have never been adequate in speech, or uh, neither in the past nor in the future or now. As you were talking to me, I've never been able to speak very plainly, been slow of speech and slow of tongue. Three times he says, God, are you sure? That's Moses struggling with the call of God on his life. We look at this and we see that there are struggles that we all go through. We know this in our own lives. I don't know of anyone that has ever lived their life that has not struggled about something in their walk with Christ. So we look at Jonah. Jonah is one of these unique individuals. Jonah is a prophet. But Jonah, we don't get a lot of Jonah's message that he gave to the people. Uh, you know, all the other prophets, we get this long dissertation as far as what they said and the message that was delivered and the things that happened. Uh, you know, here, Jonah just simply shows us what happens. I want to kind of give you an understanding because Jonah skips the struggle part. Jonah doesn't really struggle with God's call. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor, you just told me that it has to be a progression. Well, it doesn't have to be. But if you want a progression, Jonah was a prophet way before the book of Jonah. We find that Jonah was a prophet before God even spoke to him about going to Nineveh. Jonah was a prophet to a king. We can find that for us in 2 Kings chapters four, or chapter 14, verses 23 and 25. Or through 25. Tells us where Jonah gave the message of God. So we see this. So Jonah's not one of these people that we would look at and say. uh, You know he is rebelling against God. And he's running from the call of ministry. We see that Jonah is one of the ones that would be just like us. That God has came to Jonah. And God has specifically told Jonah. The Great Commission. He says, I need you to go to Nineveh and to preach the gospel. Whenever we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get the Great Commission. The thing about the Great Commission is, is it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Go unto the nations and make Christ-like disciples. We are supposed to go out and preach the gospel, each and every one of us. So Jonah here gives us a specific rebellion. He had already experienced God's great glory and God's great power whenever he preached the message in Kings and they repented and they turned back to God. He has experienced it. He has seen it. And now God comes to him and says, Jonah, I need you to do this. So why does Jonah struggle so much and rebel about what God has asked him to do? Here again, some more interesting and unique things about Jonah. Jonah is the first prophet that God asked to go to a foreign nation. 
every other prophet that has been prophesied for the Israelites. They spoke in the midst of their own borders. That would be similar to us standing on our porch as the bully walked by and our big brother and our sister and our mother and father are sitting in the house right behind us and we begin to chant at the bully as he walks by, you've got to stop doing this. You need to repent. You need to turn from your wicked ways. God says, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. I need you to walk in the midst of your enemies and proclaim the gospel. Now, wait a minute. The gospel hasn't been yet. Nope. But we have to get to the bad before we can get to the good. If we do not realize that we're sinners, we will never accept the gospel. If we do not come to the point in time and the understanding that this life that I am living, I am headed straight to hell and I've got to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we'll never get there. Now you want to, for instance, we'll talk about that later, whenever we're dealing with these sailors as they're throwing the cargo overboard. So here we are. We see Jonah is embarking upon this new endeavor and we find that God gives him the message. Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 through 6. It says the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leading to Tarsus. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarsus. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. So the captain went down after him. He came, or how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up, pray to your God. Maybe he will attend to us and spare our lives. So we have Jonah's message. We have what he is supposed to go do and where he is supposed to go. Jonah rebels against the Great Commission. There's some things that I think that we need to look at here. I know we need to look at here. Okay? Because we have to put ourselves in this particular time period. Because in this time period, the only place that you could worship God was where? In the temple. Whenever you prayed, if you were at home, you had to face the temple. God was at the temple. God was in the Holy of Holies. So whenever it says that, uh, you know, that Jonah fled God, he got on a ship to flee God. He was leaving everything that had to do with God behind him. You get it? He left his house. 
the only place that he was able to worship God, he's leaving it. The only place that he would be able to offer up a sacrifice, he's leaving it. The only place that he would be able to pray to God, he's leaving it. And not only is he leaving it, he is going as far away from it as he can. If we think that Jonah might have misunderstood the message that God gave him. Here's another hint for you. Nineveh was to the east. Tarsus was to the west. He's going the complete opposite. Does Tarsus sound anything like Nineveh? We look at this and we see Jonah is not struggling with the call that God has on his life. Jonah is rebelling against the call of God on his life. We rebel whenever we use the excuse, God, somebody might ask me a question that I don't know. So I'm just not going to go witness to him. God, I'm too busy today. You know, you sure you want me to stop and to help that person with their car? I use this one here a lot. God, I'm not a mechanic. If I pulled over and looked underneath that hood, I'd say, that's a dirty engine. Maybe you need to clean it. So I don't stop. God says that we are supposed to spread his gospel. We use all the excuses in the world that we can find. We struggle with it. But if we refuse to do it, we're rejecting God and his call on our lives. But let's take this away. Okay? Uh, you know, let's grow from this. Let's learn from this. Because it's not only the great commission that we rebel against God. It's not only the great commission that we struggle with. There are things that God will place in our lives and he will tell us, you need to give this to me. We struggle with it. We struggle with it. If we don't give it, it will wind up being a rebellion. And if it continues, we will wind up rejecting God because of it. There was a man that, uh, well, I listen to, I, I study and I do quite a few webinars. Um, I have to, you know, I have CEUs that I have to keep up. That's continual educational credits, uh, you know, for the Church of the Nazarene. So I, I watch webinars. Uh, there's a company that puts out a lot of webinars and they deal with pornography. And they deal with the fact of how pornography destroys a life and how pornography destroys a marriage and how addictive pornography is and, and all of these different things. And, and they bring us through these things as far as how to help people with it and how to teach them on, on this and how to make sure that our people in our congregation understands the struggles uh, you know, about pornography. They had a gentleman that came on and he gave his testimony. Uh, you know, and this gentleman was talking about his life and how, uh, you know, at a young age of somewhere around 12 or 13, he had his first experience with pornography. Uh, you know, by the time that he graduated from high school, he was in this full, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, addiction to pornography. Uh, you know, so he got out of the house and he, he uh, went off to college and it, it began worse. It got worse because it was freely and more freely available. Uh, you know, and he said one of the worst things that ever happened to him was whenever cell phones were able to connect to the internet. 
He said, I could be anywhere. And I could have pornography right in my hand. And he struggled with it. And he struggled with it. I want you to know that he says that it came a point in the time that he literally rebelled against God because of it. He almost lost his marriage because of it. He did turn from it. And now, of course, he is teaching other men how to deal with it. But I'm telling you, church, I don't know how more I can get this. That there are things that we struggle with right now. That if we do not pay attention to it, we will begin to rebel against God. And that rebellion against God will at some point in time and someday cause us to completely reject Him. It can range anywhere from addiction to pornography to drugs to uh, you know sleeping around on your wife to whatever it is. If God brings it to us and He calls you out of it and you struggle with it and you continue to leave it there, it will turn into a rebellion against God. The thing about this is, is there is also an opposite effect of this. There are some good things that we do that if we do them for the wrong reason, that we begin to rebel God. I volunteered youth work at a church in Charlotte. Trinity Church of the Nazarene. They had a youth pastor going through the same studies that I was going through. Had a mother that began helping with the youth group. She started going classes with us. Then she started going to some of the classes with just him. Three years later, he divorces his wife, leaves the church, and goes with her. Destroyed his family destroyed her family, lost, left the call that God had placed upon his life and is living out in the world, lost as lost could be. He struggled, he rebelled, he rejects. Jonah shows us this. Rebellion shows us. Rebellion, it invites God's wrath. Whenever we rebel against God, it invites God's wrath. Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. God is prepared to break the ship and to drown Jonah and all of the sailors because Jonah is rebelling against God. The Israelites wandering around in the desert, God sends a snake, bites them, and they die unless they look up at the pole. First Corinthians, the church in Corinth, God sends a sickness that is unto death because of their rebellion against God. Now, does that mean if there's no bad things happening in our lives that we're not rebelling against something that God has placed in front of us? No. Because God can't actually put your life in neutral to where absolutely positively nothing happens. Because you're rebelling against him. God will do something to get your attention. Because God's grace and God's mercy and his love does not want you to get to the point that you reject him. He will do everything that he can to bring you back to him. So that you understand 
where you are and who he is. We can, we can sugarcoat all of the things that we do. And that's part of that struggling. It's really not all that bad. First time that you would take a sip of alcohol, it's not all that bad. But as it grows, it gets worse and worse and worse. The thing about the struggle part is, is that if we try to do it on our own, that's where we fail. Whenever we struggle with things on our own and we don't allow God to help us with it, that's when it turns into rebellion. And in that rebellion state, if we don't call out to God for help, it will turn into rejection. I, I think I'm going to, tonight, I think tonight we're going we're gonna to go back to uh, rebellion invites God's wrath. Because right now we need to deal with where we are here as far as, uh, you know, rebellion leads or can lead to complete rejection. I want to close this morning with this passage of scripture. It says, God search my heart. Look in me and see if there's anything that's wrong. And if there's anything in me that's wrong, I give you the authority to remove it. God, if there is anything that I am struggling with, if there's anything that you are asking me to do, or anything that you're asking me not to do, show it to me. I give you the authority to remove it. See, that's where we are. There's, there's not a fine line in between whether or not you're going to make it to heaven or you're going to make it to hell. It's clear. And it deals with obedience. Are you going to be obedient? Robbie, if you can come, and the others that are singing, the altar's open. Hopefully I gave you this as plain and as simple as possible. There's a difference in between struggling and rebelling. If we rebel, we'll end up rejected. If we struggle on our own, we will end up rebelling. If we're struggling today, God's here to help us with the struggle. Whatever it would be. But we have to allow Him to search us, to show us what it is. But then we have to remember and we have to say those words at the end. God, I give you the authority to remove it. Whatever it is, I give you the authority to remove it from my life. Does that mean tomorrow the, the struggle is over? No, that means that we have just allowed him to help us through this struggle. And as long as he is a part of it, we're obeying God. We're doing what he wants. Let's stand. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If there's anything, if there's anything that you are holding from God or that you are struggling with, this morning is the morning to take care of it. There's those that have already made their way down. If there's any others. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now. taught my heart to fear and 
my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing. chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace, my chains are gone. God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. You know, just like Samson, we can call out at any time. God will hear us in the midst of our struggles. And He will come to us and strengthen us and guide us and direct us. All we have to do is call out. Call out to Him and He'll be there to help you.